66. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. And here he is, as he is every Saturday morning, our financial and retirement expert in studio, Larry Rosenthal. Good morning, Chris, and how are you this morning? I'm feeling a little bit like Christmas. Getting it's there. right around the corner. Getting Very there. exciting time. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there's all these white elephant party things going on, you know. That's uh, always a lot of fun this time of year. <laughs> it you definitely know, is. Stealing people's gifts, and you know, it's kind of fun. You all know? different things. Yeah, I've talked to different people about different parties and stuff. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, so yeah. it's, a, lot of, it's a good time a of year. People's hearts are a little softer, and it's always a good time to remember Christ, too. So, you know, it's his birthday. It's really the most important part about the year. Well, there's no doubt about that. That's for sure. That is absolutely for sure. Hey, one thing I've noticed, though, also is that this year it just seems to me that the you know, the uniquely ugly Christmas sweaters are coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> you're, talking, um, you're talking about Bob's sweater. That's not a nice thing to do. <laughs> no, no. Easy on Bob. <laughs> easy on Bob. So, you know, I we're, we're thinking about having an ugly Christmas sweater contest soon. Okay. So, lo- lo- looks kind of fun. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal here. like to welcome our new listeners again. Uh, on Sirius XM Family Talk Channel 131 as we start broadcasting this past September coast-to-coast and border-to-border, along with our longtime listeners in the D.C. area, Washington, D.C.'s WAVA uh, 105.1 FM. Again, for those of you just tuning in around the country, this is a live call-in talk show. Give us a ring with any of your financial planning questions on estate planning, the stock market, the economy, uh, you know, whatever's on your mind with, with your retirement accounts, what's going on in the markets, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You know, st- stocks uh, fell pretty sharp this, this uh, past Friday, Chris, yesterday. Kind of ending the week on eh, a little bit of a bleak note. The the Dow was down over 500 points, and it was just basically, you know, off of a whole bunch of economic data of, of concern that sort of, you know, has been there for a while, uh, but but talking about China and Europe really slowing down. And, and you know, two big economies when, when, when you take a look at that. So let's put this in perspective and see where we are and kind of what's going on and sort of do the week in review, if you will. The Dow right now, year to date, uh, now remember, last year the Dow was up a little over 20%, and then this year to date, through yesterday's close, it's down 2.5%. Whereas the NASDAQ is actually up 0.11, and the S&P is down 2.76. So last year, in 2017, the S&P 500 did 19%, and this year, year-to-date, it's down 2.7. And you're hearing all the headlines about, you know, the, the market's in correction territory. And the definition, simply put, of a correction is that the, the market pulls back 10% from its high. So October 3rd, 2018, we had its high, 
and it's down 10% from that particular point. So therefore, correction territory. Not bear market, which is 20%, but just correction territory. When you take a look at this, I was I was analyzing all the numbers yesterday in my office, <clears throat> and I'm I'm looking at, you know, just how 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 do we look at you know what what's the number one reason people buy stock, and that is they buy stock based off the future anticipated earnings of a corporation. You've got two companies out there, Chris. Company A, who says, hey, things look really good, and Company B, uh-oh, things don't look so good. Where do you want to invest? You want to invest in Company A, obviously. So what am I willing to pay for a, for a share of stock from Company A, knowing that I'm going to get some sort of a return? And, and what I'm basically breaking down here is something called the P.E. ratio. And when you take a look at where we are right now today, we've basically had a, a reset of the table. The P.E. ratio, this is by the Wall Street Journal through yesterday, is sitting at 16, uh, 16 which the long-term 20-year forward-looking average is 15.9. So we're right there as far as how are stocks priced. They're not overly priced. They're not underly priced. They're priced just fair. And when you take a look at that, you go, okay, so we don't have excesses in the market, basically. That's what I mean by a table reset. Now, which way is it going to go from here depends on a lot of headline risk as far as what we have. You know, this, this past week, again, uh, uh, the, the market hit some volatility to the upside based off of positive conversations with China about trade talks. So let's take a look at that real quick. You know, China has signaled willingness basically to, to make changes in its theme of made in China in 2020. And they're going to talk about allowing other other uh, companies in. Uh, whether the, these these changes, you know, to Take, take place soon or, or, or not is 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 up you know is it, we'll see in, in the coming months but but early indications are that that China's willing to allow the participation of foreign companies in their China 2025 plan which is very very nice um, China also uh, has resumed purchases of US soybeans and they're backing off of, of uh, tariffs uh, on U.S. automakers uh, from 40% down to 15%. So are we so, better off from a point when before this all negotiations already started at this point? It so looks right like now, are. both sides have been ramping up. You know, yeah. protectionist issues, and now they're ramping them down and saying, "Okay, let's let's get let's get this stuff together here and 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 move forward." You know, but basically, China's expressed uh, a desire to engage more deeply with with you know the U.S. with us on on trade, and be, because their 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 economy's slowing a, a lot as well. Awesome. And That's a good. When you thing. take a look at the U.S. and China, we represent together forty percent of GDC around the uh, uh, you know. A GDP, excuse me, global domestic product okay. around around the globe. Yeah, I got my 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 alphabet numbers there wrong, Chris. I was going to ask you what that meant. I was like, I was being stupid here and didn't know, but yeah, right. But you know, my my point here is that that um, it, the markets are trading on headline news when it comes to to trade, and and it was a tough week over in Europe too this this week with with uh, Brexit. Is it going to be a, a an easy exit or a hard exit? That's still up in the air. Um, and, well, the prime know, minister kept her seat at least, but you know, she yep, she did definitely. The ECB decided to stop its 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 easing program and 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 its buying program uh, didn't didn't raise rates again, and and you know now now looming in the background is a partial U.S. government shutdown. 
uh, on the horizon, which we're going to talk a little bit about here today after after the break, and and we're going to take a look at the that at since 1976 we've had 19 government shutdowns. We're going to talk about what the market does with those, so it's not not really that big of an issue. But my point is, this is all sitting on a U.S. All this headline news is sitting on top of a U.S. very strong economy. So you know, big big news coming out this this week. Um, December 18th and 19th, the Fed is going to meet again, and the Fed is going to be discussing interest rate policy. I think that they're going to raise next week a quarter point, but it's the language around that raise that's going to be paramount to the markets. The markets are going to want to hear, hey, you know what? We're at or pretty close to where we want to be as far as interest rates go today, and anything in the future as far as rate hikes or staying neutral and level is going to be dependent off the data that we see coming in. And one of the scenarios that's sort of shaping up right now in the financial press, which I kind of find very interesting, is that when you go back in history, and I'm talking back to the 50s and 60s all the way back, when you take a look at, at the Federal Reserve raising interest rates or maintaining a neutrality position in interest rates or even lowering interest rates, You'll see that they always overshoot, and they always go back and say, wow, you know what? Maybe we should have stopped the raising cycle back then because we overshot it now, and it choked off the economy. So right now, we're, we're starting to sort of hear some, some ideas of maybe they're going to slow it down a little bit, take a breath a little bit, take a, a, you know, uh, a time out on raising them now instead of continuing to push forward. So that's going to be very interesting, the language around this meeting coming up December 18th and 19th. All eyes are going to be on the Fed. There, there, there's no doubt about it, as well as trade. And so those are the two big things that are really moving the markets these days. And, and when you stop and you take a look at the P.E. ratio, the price-to-book ratio, price-to-cash flow ratio in the markets, they are all very attractive right now. So so hold on. This is a point in time where you want to make sure that your portfolios are properly diversified, that your investments are aimed at your time horizon, your risk acceptance levels, liquidity needs, and all that fun fun stuff that goes into you know our industry, financial planning. So we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to open up the phone lines. Give us a ring here if you have any questions on anything at all in estate planning, the stock market, the Fed, taxes, whatever it may be, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Again, 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. Here's a fairy tale, they say. He was made of snow, but the children know that he came to life one day. There must have been some magic in that old silk hat they found. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Here's a quick tip for you. Remember, it's time in the market, not necessarily timing. Stay away from lots of buy-sell transactions. Find quality, buy it and hold it until the quality goes away or your investment objectives change. It's time in the market, not necessarily timing. If you'd like more information on proper investing, 
then go visit my website at LarryRosenthal.com or simply give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3. You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in, here's a phone number, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal, our financial and retirement expert here in studio. In fact, uh, John has called in with a, with a question for us this morning. Thanks for taking my call. I was just wondering if you could uh, address estate planning and estate issues. My mom is 78, and she has a mortgage and some unsecured credit card debt. She also has a life insurance policy, and I'm wondering, A, am I responsible for any of that debt? And B, if she passes her estate, I presume would have to pay off the debt first and who's first in line and so forth. I mean, maybe you can talk a little bit about estate planning. Sure, John. There's a whole lot to talk about on estate planning. I uh, teach a class that's about three hours in length on just this subject, but let me try to give it to you in a nutshell. First of all, you want to make sure that all of your mom's assets are titled correctly so that if she does pass, things will go to her heirs the way she wants them with the least amount of taxes and subjectivity to probate. For example, you said your mom has a life insurance policy. Well, the policy has a named beneficiary on it, so that means the proceeds are going to pass directly to the people that she wants the money to go to. That's a positive. On the negative side, If your mom owns that life insurance policy, then the value of the face amount or the death benefit is included in her taxable estate. And if her estate is over a certain amount of money, she could be subject to estate taxes, her estate would. Now, you, if you're the executor or whatever, the money's not going to come out of your pocket to pay these transfer costs or anything like that. It's going to come out of her estate proceeds, and then the heirs will get what's left over. But what you need to do is ask your mom, does she have a will? Does she have a trust? Does she need one or not? I can send you out information on that. I have a complete packet. It's about 15 or 20 pages. It's pretty easy reading on, you know, steps to be doing at the beginning of the estate planning process, which it seems seems that where you are right now, John. So let me go ahead and put you on hold, and I'm going to send that information out to you. That way you'll be able to get a good start on it as far as all that goes. It's nice to have a a booklet and a few things that you can send out on that. It's a big question that you get a lot uh, of these days, isn't it, Larry? It is, Chris, and I just want to tag on to that a little bit. The the just just some stats that I know just because you know in in our in our business of, of financial planning wealth wealth management estate planning you know we we do generational planning with our clients you know multi generational planning we a lot of clients will will tie their financial plan into not only their objectives but their you know but how to pass assets on to their to their children or you know they, a lot of times they'll say you know hey I've got elderly parents and and what's going to happen one day when I get ready to receive things, you know, ha- am I going to be, you know, have to cover stuff or, or, or what's the story? If you want some, uh, if you, you know, want to talk about estate planning, give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. But uh, again, just, just dovetailing into the conversation here with John, 37% of U.S. households are going to transfer over the next 25 years. Okay, and this is about 45 million people are going to transfer over the next 25 years, about $68 trillion. 
in assets from one generation to the next generation. Stop and think about that number. That's huge. That's, that represents 64% of the nation's total assets, which is $107 trillion or so, somewhere in that area. Yeah, it fluctuates a little bit every day, you know. I lose uh, track of zeros at those numbers. Yeah, I, I, get, I get it. Lots of zeros and commas. But my, my point is that, that you know, there, over the next 25 years, there's going to be about $68 trillion that transfer from one generation to the next generation. And navigating the tax impact on that is going to be huge. You, you, you sort, of, sort of think about a waterfall. That water just comes down. It lands on one rock. It goes to the next rock. It just keeps going and going and going. And up at the top, it's got this great big wide, wide river. And as it gets all the way down towards the bottom, it gets skinnier and skinnier, doesn't it? And then sort of pools around and then flows out. That's sort of the way assets pass when, when you're dealing with taxes. You know, the first thing you have to really take a look at is, <clears throat> is the money going to a spouse? If so, there's one set of tax scenarios. Is the money going to uh, a non-spousal beneficiary? If so, there's a whole other set of tax issues. And, and uh, when you're dealing with IRA money, the question becomes the person, the deceased person, are they over 70 and a half or are they under 70 and a half? Because that creates another tax rule as well. So there's lots of things to wow. consider in all of this. Yeah, it's exactly right. Chris. Seems wow. need, needlessly complicated, if you ask me. But it, it is very complicated. And, and you know, I have a, a listing uh, of eight things that you do before you start sending in, you know, claim forms, beneficiary forms, change of titling forms, and stuff like that. And and to sort of drill down into this really quick, the one of the most important forms, the the highest form out there is actually the beneficiary form. When people are filling out the beneficiary form, they have no idea the power that the beneficiary form really holds. To, to take into consideration here the, the two main lanes of traffic on a beneficiary form. One of them is, is per capita, that's the default, and the other one is per stirpes. And a lot of people don't understand this, but but let, let, let's suppose you have, uh, let, let me just try to break it down here. You have, maybe you have two children, right? And, you know, Mr. Dies, money goes to wife. Wife dies, money goes 50-50 to both kids. Fair enough? Very easy. But now let's just suppose that, that one of the children has a baby. So now there's a grandchild involved in it, right? So now husband dies, money goes to mom. But the adult child dies with the grandchild who's still alive. And then mom dies, and mom never changed the beneficiary form. Now what happens? Under the default system, all the money goes to the one surviving child. Nothing goes to the grandchild of the other child who predeceased mom in that case. In other words, by having the default language on the beneficiary form of per capita, you could accidentally disinherit grandchildren. Mm. And, and and you never even meant to, and you never even knew about it. And so, you know, when you really sit down and look at filling out the beneficiary form, when you're filling out these forms, if your financial advisor is not talking to you about the difference between per capita and per stirpes on a beneficiary form, 
you need to really get educated. You need to start asking these questions. If you filled out, if you have an investment account and you don't recall the conversation of, of is this per stirpes or is this per capita, you need to pull out your beneficiary forms and see how they're registered. Because if you have grandchildren, there is a chance that you could accidentally disinherit mm-hmm. a bloodline and, and not even know about it. And, and it becomes a very big issue when, when you're dealing with estate planning. And this this issue can be fixed simply by the stroke of a pen. It takes like two and a half minutes to fix it. It's really not that and hard people forget. Or, or complicated. They set it up and forget it. Well, on beneficiary forms, they do set up and forget it. There, there's no doubt about that. And the Supreme Court is, is starting to, or, or courts, I should say, are starting to to look at intentions of what's going on in divorce cases now and overriding issues with beneficiary forms, which is creating a whole different scenario when it comes to estate planning. And, and you, you need to really review your beneficiary forms time in and, and, and time out again. Well, that's a Pandora's box, right? What did you mean versus what? you actually wrote down i mean if the supreme court is actually looking at things like that i mean that's... well I, I may have misspoke not the supreme but it's in the court system yeah in the so, court system so, but, but yeah. yeah but it could elevate it, it its way you know and that and that begs the difference too to to uh taking a look at how assets are actually registered stop and think about this how are things registered well people just open up a joint account with their spouse let's say the the you know okay so what does that mean it's a joint account with our spouse let's suppose you know you, you open up a joint account with your spouse you you put fifty thousand dollars into it and a few years later it's worth a hundred thousand and and your spouse passes and you decide you know what I'm I'm selling this money I'm going to go do whatever you've got to pay taxes on that fifty thousand dollars of growth right versus if the account was just in your spouse's name. With you as beneficiary on it under a special uh, titling called TOD, transfer on death, or even inside a revocable living trust, now you're and you can sell it all completely tax-free. You don't have to pay any taxes on that $50,000 of growth. And people do not understand the the power of of an account registration or a beneficiary form in making things extremely tax efficient it it is vitally important to to really do that and and when we sit down with with clients in our firm we talk to them about this and their jaw just drops and they're like really and and we look at all their beneficiaries and how things are are registered and it's a tax nightmare and and it's a very easy fix and solution for for beneficiaries too. So it's it's really important to to really do that. Hey, if you want, go to my website LarryRosenthal.com and check on the articles. I've got information out there about this. And if you'd like to get a package on the basics of estate planning and how how accounts should be titled and registered, feel free. Give us a ring at eight five five Rose one two three. That's eight five five seven six seven three one two three. Back in a moment with more making money sense. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Here is Dr. Gary Jones, CEO of Youth for Tomorrow. 
You know, we started a girls program in 2003. And you think you've seen it all and you've heard it all until our children walk on campus. And they will steal your heart in a moment. They'll steal your heart because they come with nothing but hope. That's all they come with. The FBI calls and says, you know, we, we arrested a sex trafficker last night, but we still have the sex traffic victim. We know you're the only facility in Virginia that'll take a girl like this. Do you have room for one more? And we say yes. If you would like to help, go to youthfortomorrow.org. A place like Youth for Tomorrow is an oasis in the difficult world that we live in today for these kids. Joe Gibbs founded Youth for Tomorrow because he wanted to give back. If that's how you feel and you would like to help, go to youthfortomorrow.org. That's youthfortomorrow.org. You've seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. Jump on those phones. Give Larry a call right now at 855-767-3123. He's ready to answer any of your calls that you have with regards to financial planning. You know, just listening to that Youth for Tomorrow um, commercial there we just uh, had, you, you know, this time of year, there's a lot of folks that just don't have the wonderful gifts and things that you and I have, Larry. And, and it's nice to to give back if you can this time of year. You see a lot of that. Well, not only this time of year, Chris, but all throughout sure. the year. Sure. You know, gi- giving throughout, throughout the year to, to different programs, to your church, to, 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 to wherever, you know. I mean, uh, you know, the Lord said, take care of widows and orphans. And that's really on his heart. That That's for sure. You know, and and when you look at uh, disadvantaged people and 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 people that just need help, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, and it helps it's, you too. The Lord's going to bless you, but it also helps you financially when you think about how you do your charitable gifts and donations, especially this time of year, right? Well, that's true. I mean, I think it it brings a an additional level of peace and comfort into your heart too. Mm-hmm. It 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 really does, and it's biblical. And and you know, search the scriptures. The Lord talks about you know, Bible talks about giving many many times. Uh, Jesus said, you know, it's, it's better to, uh, give than to receive. So, um, so, you know, we're, we're also talking, Chris, about government shutdowns, right? <laughs> so that's not a gift I really want to receive this Christmas. Thank yeah. You so, you know, basically I, I've been getting this question this past week, so I had to go back into the archives of the charts and pull up, you know, what's happened in, in government shutdowns in the past. And, and basically it's really a non-event for the markets we have had since, um, uh, since 1976, under President Ford, we have had 19 government shutdowns. Hmm. And the longest one lasted uh, 18 days, and that was under President Carter. During that 18-day period, when the government was shut down, the market lost 2%. <laughs> and then uh, President Obama had a government shutdown for 16 days. Oh, wow. Yep, and during that period of time, the market earned 3.1%. So during the entire 19 times that we've had a government shutdown since President Ford in, in September 30th, 1976, again, we've had 19 of them. We've had, we've had them in, in, in de- de- Democrats, Republicans, back and forth, all, all the way around. We have had an average market return 
during the days of shutdown of minus 0.6, so six-tenths of 1%. So so basically, it, it basically says, the market says it's really a non-issue. It, it, when, it may be a non-issue with the markets, shutdown. but in this area, when the government shuts down here in the Washington, D.C. area, for those of us uh, listening outside of that area, it's a big deal because the livelihood of people around here gets takes a big hit for a little while. Well, it is, and the good news is they've all gotten paid, too. They get it, it back, it, right? It, yep, they get it. They get it. So, so that is the, definitely the good news about it. You know, nobody wants to see this. They, and, and basically, we can just you know boil this down under, you know, sticks and stones, heckling, and and all that kind of stuff uh, up there on on Capitol Hill. But it's just the way things are done these days. But I wanted to point that out because I've been getting these questions this past week from from in the emails and and and, and stuff like that. Which, by the way, go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Feel free to shoot us off emails during the week or call our office at eight. 855-ROSE-123, our 800 number. Give us a ring during the week. We get lots of questions. We send out lots of information. Uh, so let's welcome Jane on the line from Arkansas. Good morning, Jane. How are you this morning? Hi, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. How can I help you? Um, well, I am. will be 63 in March, and my husband is 62. He's already um, retired. But just wondering at what point, I, I know what we have in our 401K, and I guess at what point do we know if that's sufficient to uh, retire? That's a great question, Jane, and let me show you how to back into that really quick here on the air. One of the things that you, you need to take a look at is what's your guaranteed income coming in. Uh, I'm assuming uh-huh. that you and your husband both will receive Social Security. I, yes. I don't know if either one of you have a pension plan or not, okay? No, uh, no pension, just the, the 401K. Okay, so here's sort of the way that we're going to take a look at this, and I'm just going to make up numbers here. Let's just suppose that you need $5,000 a month of after-tax spendable income to live off of. That's going to cover, you know, your food, your vacations, mortgage, whatever it is that you have. Let's say it's five grand. okay? And let's pretend that between both of you, your Social Security is bringing in, let's say, $2,500 a month. So now you have $2,500 a month whole that's in your budget. Fair enough? So so the question then is, are you going to work in retirement? And if you say, no, I'm not, now we need to focus on your savings and investments. So how much money do you have saved up? Is it going to produce for you $2,500 a month in order for you to, uh, to, to live off of on an after-tax basis? That's a very simple way to back into that scenario. Um, I, I have a financial planning toolkit that we can send out to you, and it will help get you started down that road, and we can have someone give you a ring and, 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 and follow up with you on it to, to show you how to construct a financial plan. You can go to my website, too, LarryRosenthal.com, Jane, and on the very okay. first page there, there's a, there's a little 90-second video that's going to dive a little bit further into your question and the answer that I gave you, but it'll, it'll give you an idea, sort of frame it out as to how to make sure that you're on pace for all of this. Because remember... Okay. Yeah, and, and, and then also take a look at this, too. How much money have you saved in your retirement plans that are on a pre-tax basis? Because we've done a fantastic job of saving money on pre-tax, but remember, you can control and direct 100% of those dollars, but you only own about 65 or 70% of that money. Once it comes out, you have to pay tax on it. 
That's why when we work okay. with, with clients and, and stuff, Jane, we always focus on the after-tax income because that's the money you actually spend at the grocery store and on vacations and cars and things like that is the after-tax. But it sounds like to me you're, you're starting to really think this thing out, and that's what you have to do is take a look at what your, your income needs are and what your income is and then see how much money – I was going to come. And then just let me just take one more second here with you while I have you on the phone because it's important to also analyze the investments that are inside your 401K plans, Jane, because for many, many years, and I'm just guessing here, they've probably been in a more of a growth orientation view or objective, and now they need to be sort of changed over a little bit so that you have both growth and income producing investments inside the retirement plans. That way you're still going to grow the dollars, but you can also harvest some income from them at the same time. So that's the second stage you need to look at is is analyzing the type of investments that are inside the plan. Does that make sense? Yes, and that's one uh, area that I'm not very strong in. So I just, you know, choose the plan that that is suggested to me. Um, at my age, and I think maybe even one step more aggressive, but uh, that's the part that I'm not very uh, strong at. Okay, well then, if you want, I'll I'll put you on hold, and Bob will get your contact information, and we'll send you out our financial planning toolkit, and then we can help okay. you assess what's inside the plans, and 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 make make some uh, you know have some conversation with you on it all. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Let me put you on hold. Have a Merry Christmas. Appreciate the phone Thanks. call. You're, li- you're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123 with any of your financial planning or investment questions. If you want to talk about your retirement distribution, your income tax, estate planning, 401ks, whatever it is, give us a ring. It's your subject line this morning on this show at 855-ROSE-123. Um, so, Chris, we're getting back to the government shutdown. I think right, we sort of yeah. nailed that as far as how much, you know, it, it really doesn't affect the, the, the markets too much. Uh, you know, so so probably not a big deal, although everybody always has the question, is it different this time? And and we'll have to wait and we'll have to see. <laughs> right. You know, I was going to have a follow up question to, to Jane, too, when it comes to the retirement age and knowing when to retire. I was just the other day I was just watching something on TV and there was this special about this poor couple that they were older. They were both really in their 70s and 80s. And he went back to work at Walmart because he he lost his pension at the very last minute. The company went under. There was no pension and he had not done some planning. So, I mean, you can't rely on pensions anymore. We know that, right? They're going to be going away. So you really have to do some planning, and so hopefully you'll be able to retire and not have to work when you're in your 80s and 70s. Well, Chris, yeah, I mean, that's just – it's just not a good story, you know, no, and, and, but and it's probably his one. pension may have gone to the PBGC, Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, which picks up some, but but definitely not all of it. And, and you know, that's – I tell you, I, get, I have so many numbers and so many surveys and so many just charts and graphs that, that go across my desk each week. Recently, uh, and this was in the beginning of November this year, a November 2018 survey came out. You know, 1,100 and some people were surveyed, and they said that the average age that they started saving money was age 31. And, and – that just slows down, you know, basically eight, ten years of compound interest tax deferral growth. And that goes to sort of what you're talking about there is and, – and the number one reason cited was they said they didn't have enough discretionary money. 
And so that there, there's so much involved in these types of surveys that come out like this. And, and you can say, well, you know, did you not were you not able to save fifteen dollars or twenty five dollars or seventy two dollars a month? And I know that sounds crazy and picky and all that kind of stuff. But the length of time and the compound interest of all this stuff really adds up over time. So the earlier you can start, definitely the, the, the better off everything is. Let's shoot on over to the district and welcome Joe on the line. Good morning, Joe. How are you today? I'm, I'm well. Thanks for asking, and thanks for taking my call. My question today is that I'm 57 years um, old, and I plan on retiring. Uh, I would like to retire around 62. I have $150,000 that I would like to put it in uh, in, a, in some type of investment, but I don't know exactly what to do with that those funds. So I was hoping that you can kind of steer me in a direction. I um, also, it was also a suggestion that I check into Nationwide Annuity 10. I don't know much about that. Can you help me out? Yes, I can, Joe. So so here's the deal. First of all, when you're taking a, a look at investing a, a, you know, a sum of money, we have to ask ourselves, what's the investment objective of this money? And in your case, it sounds like it's to grow for a handful of years towards retirement, right? So do we have enough money, first of all, saved in the bank, in your checking and savings account to cover any emergencies that you have? You know, maybe you get three flat tires one day, God forbid, instead of just one. Um, You know, something like that. Then, Then take a look at your other investments that you have, and we have to sort of look at the end and say, okay, I want to retire in X number of years, and at that particular point, my expenses are estimated to be this each month, and my income from Social Security or maybe a pension is estimated to be that each month. What's the okay. difference? Is there a difference? Is there a delta between those two lines? And if so, then we need to say, where do we invest this money? And and the first thing that I would say is let's not start with what type of product because what you're talking about is an annuity. Again, there's pros and cons to annuities, okay, just like there's pros and cons to mutual funds or ETFs or individual stocks. Let's figure out how much we have to grow this money and then understand risk of growing the dollars. No matter where you put the money, if you keep the money in the bank or if you put the money into an annuity such as you mentioned or the market or, or whatever it may be, there's always a risk associated with it. So we need to get educated first and understand this question, which is, <clears throat> if I make this investment, what has to go right for it to succeed for me and what has to go wrong for it to succeed for me? I mean, for it to, for it to uh, have a bad result for me. Because that's the way that we look at, at, at doing it. And maybe you end up putting some money in one place, another some of the money in another place, and, in, and even in the third place. That way you're going to get some diversification of the dollars. But they all need to be pulling together in the same direction, and that is to outpace taxes and inflation and the fees so that you can receive a, a you know, an after-tax income from these dollars that's going to help you sustain your standard of living in retirement. So that's the way that we're going to break this down for you. Sort of, sort of gave you a lot there to, to chew on, but that's really the direction that we have to look at it. It's it's very difficult to just say, oh, put the money in this thing, put the money in that thing. Well, what's the purpose of it? I'm more in line with saying, what's your objectives? What's the purpose of the investments? That's going to dictate where the dollars go. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. 
And yeah. I do thank you for that. Absolutely. If you'd like, I can uh, send you out our financial planning toolkit, and, and that will, again, help you. There's so much information in that. That will help you um, uh, really sort of break down what your objectives and goals are. There's a whole goal section in there that you can sort of, sort of ask yourself, and, and uh, we can uh, help you break that down for you if you like. Okay, great. Thank you. I would appreciate that. Yep. Well, let me wish you a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. I'll place you on hold, and Bob will get your information, and we'll send that out, that financial planning toolkit out to you. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. Give us a ring. You know, Chris, we have sent out tens of thousands of these toolkits for many, many years that we've been doing this show, and, and uh, you know, for 15 years now. And uh, people just respond wonderfully to this financial planning toolkit. It really helps them, whether, whether you're doing it yourself or working with an advisor or working with us or whatever, it really helps analyze where you are. It, it helps you draw a line in the sand and say, hey, you know what, if I keep doing what I've been doing, where am I going to be down the road and how does that road look like? Is it where I want to be? Is it going to help me maintain my standard of living? So, so that's uh, really, really, you know, kind of an important scenario there. Um, let's go ahead and welcome Debbie on the line from Connecticut. Good morning. Oop, oop, I got the wrong button there. Good morning, Debbie. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How can I help you? Well, I, I'm in a little bit of a dilemma. My husband passed away in September. Um, in the middle of him being sick and having to go into a nursing home, we lost the house. He had a reverse mortgage on the house. He didn't put me on his pension. So now I'm left with $1,500 a month to live on. I'm basically staying with a friend because I've lost everything. There's a little bit of insurance money, and I'm really not sure what to do next. I can't um, go into low-income housing because there's a list for that. And um, the rents are so high, I just don't I don't know what to do next. I've been trying for like four or five months now to figure this out. And no matter what scenario I put together, there won't be enough money monthly for me to, to go out there and and um and figure out how to how to take care of myself. Well Debbie, I'm very, very sorry to hear about your 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 spouse and your loss and, and your financial situation here. <clears throat> um, it sounds like to me that you've done some, you know, uh, balance sheet movements. You've taken a look at what's coming in versus what's going out. And, and um, I, 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 without knowing the, the true numbers behind all of this, I don't know how short you are on your income. Uh, but that's what it sounds like. We need to figure out a way to to increase some income or, or figure out, you know, the the new housing scenario with with new budgets. I don't know if you're looking at, at trying to find a job or or what the story I'm is. Not, I'm not able to work. I'm I'm disabled. I'm not able to work, and um, I need special accommodations to a certain point wherever I go because of my my physical limitations. Um, Needless to say, I'm a bit frustrated because I knew I knew that he wasn't preparing right for for this day, you know. And um, my scenario comes up with trying to get a place where I can get a roommate, which is not the best situation because you don't know what you're going to get, or get a place where I can actually make an in-law situation and have it separate. Um, but that's also a challenge for me because that takes up a big chunk of the insurance money. If I pay out the insurance money, I might get myself 10 years um, on a very strict budget. I don't know if I can do that or not. I understand. So have you, have you uh, since, since you are, are disabled, have you looked into uh, Social Security disability? 
you can't collect both Social Security and, and disability. You can collect one or the other. And since I'm getting his Social Security, I can't get disability. Okay. Um, at least Deb- that's what they're telling me. Debbie, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and put you on hold, and then we're going to have our estate planning attorney reach out to you next week and okay. and speak with you on the phone a little bit about your situation because I think uh, I think there's more data there that, that we probably need to dive into than, than, than what we can hear on the air live. And okay. we're going to see if we can circle back around with you and, and uh, try and help you out a little bit there. Again, I'm, I'm sorry for your for your loss and your situation, but we'll try and uh, reach out to you and get you some, some help that you may need. You listen to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. Go ahead and give us a ring here at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Have you ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise. Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually pay for the school fees. For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year. We pay for the school fees, and that averages around $500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the the uniform, that whole thing. Call now, 703-201-2494, or go to starschildrenafrica.org. For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school. 703-201-2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494. Delivering sound financial advice you can depend on. You found the Larry Rosenthal Show. Call now with your questions, 855-767-3123, or stop by LarryRosenthal.com. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. That phone number, once again, is 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Just listening to that last caller, your heart goes out, and you understand, you really start thinking about, wow, planning is so important. It really is important to have your life insurance in order, and if you're, you know, if you're going to have an event like this, to realize, you know, your family is going to be left behind. It's it's sad, it's heartbreaking, but it's important to to plan. There, there's no doubt about it, Chris. It, it, it definitely so. You know, each week we we go on our uh, we we go on our website again, LarryRosenthal.com. You can go out there today and click on the radio tab. And you'll see today's subject matter that we want to highlight a little bit. And, and one of and you can download it and copy it, send it out to your friends, no big deal. You know, we, we like to send out financial advice, financial information to people. And, and that's kind of what we've, we've, we've become a little bit is sort of, a, you know, an educational center, if you will. So go visit the website, LarryRosenthal.com, and click on the radio tab. And you'll see a subject matter there today, which I'm going to talk about right now. Does your child need to file a tax return? Wow, think about this, okay? You know, you know I, wait a minute, my, my son, my daughter, they need to file a tax return, you know, so there's information out there on 
They could file my tax return. That would be nice if I could. Have there my, you go. That, there I you go. Well, there you go Chris, the I can have my kids file your tax return. How's that sound? <laughs> that sounds okay. Cool. Sure. You know, I don't know what kind of trouble you'd get in, but they'll just make up numbers and put it down there. For as long you, as right? they write the check at the end, I'm fine with that. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, but dependent children. Uh, with earned income in excess of $12,000 a year, need to file a tax return. Or if you have unearned income of more than $1,050 a year, you need to file a return. There's a couple of exclusions to this and, and, and exceptions and things like that. But again, I just want to highlight, you know, start to think about this. The reason why I say that is because what an opportunity for for dependent children if they are earning money to really start putting money away into a Roth IRA for themselves, right? Usually when you go out and you get your babysitting money or your lawn cutting money, they're spending it or or they're saving for college and and different things of that nature. But, you know, maybe mom and dad can can help put some of those those earnings into a Roth IRA for them for for way down the road. So, again, go visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Click on the Radio Tab button this morning, and you'll see information there on should your child file a tax return. But remember, if they're earning some dollars, let's also go ahead and put the, some of those dollars away as well. Let's welcome Daniel on the line from Utah. Good morning, Daniel. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing well. How can I help you, sir? Well, I'm calling in because uh, my wife and I are 55, and we're looking at buying a house. And we have a daughter who lives in Tennessee that's moving to Texas in 2020 into Houston, and they want us to move there. But my concern is uh, cost of interest rates going up. It'd be best to buy now than later. Uh, and they want us to wait till later, you know. <clears throat> I don't know if well, that's, that's a good idea. Well, here's the deal on on interest rates, Dan. When when interest rates move up, they they usually move up in very small fractional percentages. And, you know, going from, you know, a a 4% 30-year mortgage to a 4.25-30% mortgage sounds like a big psychological move, right? Oh, your neighbor's got four and I'm stuck at four and a quarter. You're really not talking about that big of a monthly cash flow difference, Okay, and it's not going to go up to six percent by then. I have no idea if it's going to go to six percent in the next two years. You know that that is a that is a function of the Fed and it's a function of of the ten year note. You know if 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 we continue to have um, uh, more and more government, uh, more and more people buying our, our ten year bond our 10-year treasury bond, which is a function of, you know, mortgage rates are tied to that, car loans, student loans, credit cards, personal loans, all that kind of stuff's tied to the 10-year known. You know, if that continues to rise, then yes, mortgage rates will go up. I don't know if it's going to go to 6 or 7% in the next few years. I really hope it doesn't. I think we're going to be low for a long time to come. And And so, you know, I would say this, that, if you're wanting to move there because that's where you want to be with your family and you want to find a home, the difference between four and four and a half percent on on the mortgage scale over a thirty year period of time is not going to be a big enough difference to thwart your plan in in a house. You know, you're still going to be able to go out and get a a a, a home with a, a two car garage or a three car garage. It's not really going to be that big of a, of a of a movement. But to answer your question specifically, yes, 
it would be cheaper if you got the rate today, but if you're not ready to move in there today, then I really wouldn't worry too much about that scenario. So it wouldn't be a good idea to go ahead and buy and then have to sell and buy in two years or three years? Or I'm sorry, you, you say that again? It wouldn't be a good idea to buy when I'm going to want to move in two years to have to buy, sell and then buy another one in a couple of years. No, because you're looking at, at selling your, your home now, which is a transaction cost, buying a new home now, which is a transaction cost, selling that home in two years, which is a transaction cost, and buying a, a new home. So you've got four transaction costs inside two years if, if, if that's what you're looking at. You know, But it, it also all depends on, on your family situation. If you want to get down there now, why would you buy it now and then sell it in two years? Well, because uh... – we're not going to. I just want to. I don't know. I just want to get get into a house and keep the in, with a lower interest rate and hoping the equity would be able to pay to compensate. But I, in two years, I don't think it would. Well, that's that's going to be a function of that local real estate market. You could have real estate rising in Minnesota and and slipping in Texas, or vice versa. Okay. Right. It's also a function of the overall economy. Is the breadth of the economy continuing to expand and grow, or is the economy contracting? All of that's going to play into to everything like that, you know. But if if right. you're looking at 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 trying to hope that equity appreciation is going to offset four real estate transactions inside a 24 month period of time, plus the cost of moving, um, you know that that that's that's a good roll of the dice, and I would not. You know, I would not base your decisions on buying and selling in this scenario. And, again, I, I think I need to get several more questions answered from you on this. Uh, having a, a, a slightly lower interest rate driving this whole this whole decision, especially when you're telling me now that you want future equity appreciation to, to really come to the rescue on, on, on scenarios. And it could very well. You know, no, nobody knows what the market's going to do, real estate market, uh, down in that part of the country over the next 24 months. But I wouldn't worry too much about the, about rates going too high and pricing you out of what you want to do in a couple of years. And besides, if, if you're living in Utah now and you buy a place in Texas, are you going to rent it out for two years? Yeah, my, my daughter's doing that with a house in Oregon and Tennessee, so living in Tennessee, but... Yeah, so, I mean, do you want to buy a house and have it be a rental and then move into it down the road? Is that what the goal is? Uh, well, it wasn't really the goal. I'm, uh, I'd be getting a VA loan. I don't know if I could do that with VA loan. Okay. Well, I, I would tell you this. Let's let's figure out what your objectives are and your time frame, and then we can look at the housing scenario. But don't worry too much about rates pricing you out of what you want to do with your family, Okay. Okay. All right, appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123 during the week or right here on the air, 855-ROSE-123. Visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com, if you will. Click on the articles and the news the, the news library section there, resources, lots of information out there. We have people calling during the week and, and emailing, wanting some information. More than happy to send it out to you. Uh, so, hey. Christmas shopping time, Chris, right? Hey, hey. Christmas shopping. Yeah. You know, definitely coming up. I see Bob back there. Yep. He's yep. got his checkbook out. He's going to buy us a present. Yes. There you go. There you go. So, hey, everybody, appreciate you listening this morning. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense. So for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week, 
and we'll see you next Saturday with more Making Money Sense.